Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott, for that lead-in. Let's talk about snake heads and eating snakes. And can you eat a snake? I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, how's your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give us a call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And leading off every Saturday morning is the Good Gardening Stroll. Afterwards, we will be discussing what's going on with your plants, perennials, hillsides, lawns, ground covers, well, anything planted in the outdoors, or we can step inside and see what's going on with your plants inside. Aha. And uh, what impact does your pets have on your lawn? Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, how about a potting mix? What about pruning? Insect troublemakers, snakes in your yard, ah, suspicious growth, spots, transplanting, taking cuttings, and beyond. I'll share my knowledge, which will hopefully help you make a good decision, but the action you're going to take is strictly going to be up to you. And remember, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you having me on your show. Another very important player is James. He's producing today, so when you do call in, James just needs your first name, and then he will put you on this computer screen, and then I will talk to you. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation called The Walk and Talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Thunder and drips. Oh, I didn't know if it was going to really rain very hard as I was going to take my good gardening stroll. 
And I stepped out of my car, and, well, it was still dripping, but uh, the nice thing about the drips is it makes my hair even curlier, if you can imagine that. But I saw a map of historic Soulard. There's a lot of Casilli urns, and they were presented by the Soulard Restoration Group. This is Soulard Market, and basically the front of it, which is on Lafayette and 8th Street, was this, that's the south entrance. It was built 1843. Really? Hmm. I don't know about that. But anyway, that's what the sign says. And it was actually patterned after a founding hospital in Florence, Italy. Also surrounding all this stuff is trees, which included massive cottonwoods, younger river birches, some pines and spruce as well. Colors provided by begonias, coleus, cannas, petunias, and several members of the sunflower gang. There's ornamental grasses as well. Some pipe sculptures, which are kind of like people and they're sort of at different positions and everything else. There's benches galore and historic streetlights, bike racks, memorial plaque, which is honoring Rudolph G. Pisk Ulick. He was supposed to be one of the most important people for the Soulard area ever. The lawn areas look pretty good. They've been mowed recently. There's brick pavers and walkways all over the place. Squirrels were bouncing here and there and everywhere. Birds were singing, asking, what is that park ranger car doing here? Hmm, with his lights flashing. Is he trying to scare us or what's going on? Well, the birds were singing, and they were saying, well, you should get moving. And uh, it had finally stopped raining. So I just can't believe the amount of lightning that we could see from our home and how little rain that we actually had. It sounded like, obviously, since there was major areas or larger areas in the metropolitan region that uh, didn't have, uh, don't have electricity, they must have had the storms that we did not get because we don't even have any puddles of water anyplace. So it's uh, plant material is uh, getting a little bit dry. So they, uh, uh, the lawn and everything else, I guess, after the show today, it looks like it's going to get, uh, I mean, it's pretty bright right now. After the show, I'll probably have to do some watering on my lawn areas and some of my pots as well. So. Just make sure that you keep everything well watered, but don't overwater because sometimes when you do overwater, you can cause more problems than you do good. So just because something is simply wilting or drooping doesn't necessarily mean it needs water. It may need no water. It may need to be dried out. So just be cautious and be careful. Don't assume anything with the whole world of plants because... <laughs> It is really kind of interesting, confusing, and entertaining as well. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's get a call in before we go to a break. Let's go to Nancy. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm great. Um, I have uh, questions about when to... Uh, how to winterize my elephant ears, which I have in a pot, and my banana trees, that, um, and both of them. They're not in the same pot, but they're in large pots that we 
put in the garage, I'm wondering if I cut those off level with the potting mix that they're in, but at what point do I separate them? Because I do need to separate, you know, send them out in both pots. Uh, so you're, you're separating, you've got multiple bananas in one pot. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You don't have to separate them. If you want to, you can. But if you're going to separate them, don't do it going into winter. Okay. During the hibernation, do it when you start, you know, getting them ready to come out. And okay. and with the elephant ears, pretty much the same thing. Okay. What I have to walk. Okay. So if I winterize them in the pots, I cut it down to the soil level and just put them in the garage. And then what do I need to do? Like when I'm getting ready to separate them in the spring, do I need to like hose the dirt off so I can see the bulb to? separated i mean is there a trick to that or yeah and if you can i don't know how large your bananas are but they could get pretty darn heavy after a while so consequently yeah you want to make sure that uh when you're going to separate them that the the potting mix that they've been growing in is moist because that's going to make it much easier and you know besides seeing the actual let's say stumps of your bananas or your stems of your elephant ears it's just a wise thing to do, not to do it in dry soil. Okay. All right. And I also have a question. I had two big pots that have wave petunias in them. I've done it every year. They're by the pool. Every year they look great. This year, one pot, the petunias did not last. They died. I'm The only thing I could surmise is that my potting mix in there is old because I just kind of add new on top. Is, is that could have been it? Well, you should stir it in a little bit, but no, I've had the same, in some of my pots, the same potting mix for multiple years. Mm-hmm. I just add some, you know, I kind of throw a little bit away, and or just, okay. you know, actually, I don't really throw it away. I throw it out into the yard, right. and uh, mm-hmm. then I just add some more, and I stir it all together. And But if you're fertilizing and everything else, and if it's potting mix and not potting soil, then it should last for quite a while. Hmm. All right, I have one other question. I have a big um, sedum, and I know there's different varieties, but this is the green, pretty green. It looks almost like a rubber plant, and it's very round in shape, and sometimes it gets those little pink beady flowers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite huge. Um, I'm wondering how do I thin that out, and do I do that in the spring? Yeah, I would like say I leave get- it alone. Don't be, you know, Don't be fooling with it. But if you see some rosettes, in other words, clumps, you know, coming off, you can actually pull it out of the pot, see where that's attached to the, let's say, the mother plant, and then you can pop those off. Then before you put it into some new, let's say, desert plant potting mix, uh, let that let it dry. Okay. Well, this is in my front landscape, and it's the, I don't know, I hear people call it the never die and but I think it is a sedum family. Okay. But it's in my plant in my front landscape. Um and it's about the size of an outdoor chair that you have cushions on. I Whoa. mean, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, when you when you want to like, hey, can I can I get take some and give it to a neighbor so that they can grow? Do you take from the middle or from the outside or is it the new ones coming up like you said? Well, you can probably I would take them off the base. And then let it dry before they, you know, before they do the installation. But I'm not okay. even sure what variety of sedum this is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. When I, when I figure it out, I, I'll call you on another day and let you know. All right. 
we'll have a better answer then. <laughs> All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you. Have a good day. Sure. Mike Miller, KM Walks Garden Hotline. We have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Voice of St. Louis, news that matters to you, KMOX. Remember with this heat, folks, the mealy bugs, the aphids, the thrips, the mites, the clo- red clover mites, the slugs, the Japanese beetles, bagworms, white flies, scale, grasshoppers, cucumber beetles, leaf miners. Well, that's just some of the insect problems that may be damaging your landscape plants or your garden plants or whatever it happens to be. Best thing to do is go out in the early morning and check and check the underside of the leaves. And then if you do see anything, identify it and then use an insecticide that's specifically going to be to kill those insects as opposed to like you need a miticide to kill the mites because they're in the spider family, which uh, insecticides really don't have much impact on them. So whenever you do get, you find something and you want to make an application, always read the label before you do any kind of Mixing or anything else. Let's head now. Hmm, where should we go? Let's go over to Phil's yard. Hi, Phil. Hi, Michael. Uh, I've taken some P- PVC pipe, built a framework, uh, five by five, six foot tall, and covered that with the netting to protect the uh, tomatoes. The tomatoes now are getting up to where they're pushing through the top of the netting. Can I top, cut that top of the tomato plants off without hurting them? Well, that's probably not at all that advisable because you should basically because foliage is really important for the overall health and production of any kind of plant material because it's moisture and nutrients coming up from the root system. And then the foliage uses sunlight to make food. And that's how, let's say with tomatoes, that's how tomatoes are produced. So I would not be, you know, I'd be very cautious about doing that. Okay, I'll just let him push your guess at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it, anyway, the netting does help. It keeps squirrels and anything else away from them. Okay. Well, that's true. So yeah. in the future, just maybe get some varieties of tomato that are not going to get quite that large. Okay, I'll try that next time. Okay. Right. Okay, thank you. Yep. Thanks, Phil. And now let's head over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hey there, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, listen, I, I, in the past uh, year or so, I had had some, uh, some type of uh, spider mites or something on my Desiformis. They had kind of like webs. I since have gotten that taken care of. I've had them sprayed. I no longer have that. Now I am having something similar without webs or anything, but they're considered mites on my fire bushes. And I'm just wondering, and they're old, but they're beautiful. But the leaves started turning kind of like a brownish and falling off. And so I'm thinking, well, I have more spider mites, but I'm not sure what it is. So uh, can you tell me what's the best product that I can use? Um, I had called someone out, and they used a chemical spray, and it helped them, and I thought it was over, but they came back. So can you tell me what I can use? I 
I think my son put some seven on there, and I was wondering if that product is good to kill these particular mites. If you have mites and you're sure they're mites, they, right. uh, seven will not do anything to them. They could care oh, less. Great. So you have to go after them with a miticide. So in other words, you got to go to your favorite garden center and tell them you got a spider mite or you've got a mite problem. And if you're sure they're mites, just make sure that you probably spray. The best time is earlier in the morning and also spray the underside of the foliage. Now, if there's this discoloration on the burning bush leaves, is this just happening recently or is this happened earlier in the spring? Okay. Well, it just started happening this year. They're old bushes, uh, but uh, I just didn't know what was going on. The leaves would turn uh, kind of a brownish and they would fall off. And I, I had someone come out and spray and they said I had mites. And so they must have used a miticide or something because the bushes came back. But now it's going on again. Right. So, um, I don't know. I don't want to lose them. They're so beautiful. So I thought I'd call the pro here, and you could guide me here on what to do. Yeah, again, just you want to spray earlier in the morning. You want to spray the underside of the leaves, and you want to use a miticide. A miticide. Can, right. can you tell me uh, the name of the product, or would any miticide be good? Any miticide should kill any—basically, it kills any, any mites. And mites are just basically, that's kind of a word for plant spiders. Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> well, I wish they'd find a different home, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, uh, you know, if when you water, I don't know if you're doing any watering, but, you know, water all the foliage and everything else because sometimes you can knock a lot of the mites off. Right. I do that uh, okay. since it's been so warm. I really do spray those uh, uh, as much as I can. But like I say, when I see them looking like that, it really bothers me. Right. You know, so so uh, uh, miticide specifically right. is what I have to get. Right. Okay. And also maybe take a look, you know, even if you have to have a magnifying glass to maybe identify it because thrips, T-H-R-I-P-S, is another insect that does some damage like what you're talking about. I see. I've never heard of that, Mike. What what are those uh are those mites as well? Just No, they're not type? mites, they're an insect, so you need an insecticide for that if you do have thrips. Okay. Thrips okay, you very... use they kind of have a big lower jaw and they kind of oh. rake and scrape and they and the majority of the raking and scraping that they do is on the underside of the leaves but it can discolor okay. them and uh, cause them to drop off. Wonderful. Okay, Mike. Well, listen, thank you very much. I'm a longtime listener, and I appreciate the knowledge you share every Saturday. Thank you, Mike. Well, great. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Mike. Love morning. your show. Hey, uh, you know, early up in the spring, uh, late in the spring, from a big chain store that I won't mention name, uh, I bought a about a 14-inch bowl of tulips that had died back and went brown. 
but I had an alternative motive to buy them anyway because they were discounted quite a bit. Sure. And I brought them home, and I pulled all the bulbs out of the dirt. Now, some of them are regular-sized bulbs, and a lot of them are about the size of a penny round. Will those small ones do me any good to put in the ground no, later? No, not really. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just uh, they're sort of, I don't want to say they're dysfunctional, but uh, you're not a bulb farmer, and so consequently those are ones that you would grow to be, let's say, ones large enough that are going to be productive, and when they're right. that small, they're not going to be productive. Okay, so just pitch them out. Right. There's quite a few large ones in there. I mean, I I got my money's worth real easy, but Great. one one more thing. Um, I have come across last year an app on my smartphone, and it, it it's a very good app. I love it, but I don't know if you want me to tell your listeners about it or not. It might put you out of a job. <laughs> Oh, no. I don't care. <laughs> well, then I'll tell you what it is. Is that all right? Sure. It's called Picture This. It's a fabulous app. You get a free trial. And uh, then after that is $29 a year, which I just made my purchase. But it it tells you everything you want to know about whatever plants you take a picture of, even an oak tree or peach tree or something like that. Wow. Beautiful app. Wonderful app. I guess now, it, you know, I probably won't be back next week then since you've done uh, it. Even with all this information, I still like to listen to you and hear your advice and hear your voice. So <laughs> I think well, I think you'll stick around. <laughs> thanks, Mark. Think, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. We have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmol. Sunday mornings at 10.15 on Sports on a Sunday morning. And Wednesday mornings at 9.50. The Ollie Marmol Show on Cardinals Radio. KMOX. Folks, you got a mole problem and you don't want to do anything like with traps because you have pets and you don't want to put a bucket over them because that's what you can do if you use choker loop or Victor Spear traps. It's just upside-down bucket over them and that will keep your pets away. But there is a product called Kaput, K-A-P-U-T. And what it is, it's kind of like, a, let's say, licorice. It's a gel that you inject down into the mole tunnel. And the surface tunnels, is, that's the ones that they're using to look for something to eat. So consequently, they're going along. They smell this kaput stuff. It smells just like earthworms, which is their main diet. And they eat it, and then it kills them. So think about kaput. You inject it down into the mole tunnels. The surface tunnels, that's the feeder tunnels. Let's go now over to Ted's yard. Hi, Ted. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Mike, I got, I got a quick question. I noticed my boxwood shrubs are getting kind of tall and big. I, I just want to know what's the best time of year to trim them. If I do it now would it, with the heat, would it be a problem? Well, I, 
you know, I just cut some of my boxwood, you know, down the other day because I wanted to see what's going to happen. I'm not seeing any damage at all to them yet, but it's only been a week or so. <laughs> yeah, because I know a lot of times they brown up and this and that. And right. Uh, I just don't know what the excessive heat, if it's a no-no right yeah, now. Yeah, it's really not ideal to do, but I like to do stuff that I say don't do because I want to see if I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe I'll wait till Lisa gets in the uh, lower 90s and maybe I'll give it a shot when I get time. But all right, thanks. Yeah, I would probably wait until maybe mid to late August, early September to do the pruning because that way they can harden off before, you know, any kind of potential winter damage would happen. It makes sense. Okay, thanks for your show, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. Let's go from Ted's yard over to Carl's yard. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. Two-part question for you. One, I've got a maple tree that was planted about three, four years ago. You know, it was probably two, three inches in diameter when planted, and three of them in the same area. One of them overnight, uh, all the leaves literally, you know, all this curled up and turned yellow, and now they're all brown. Is that dead? Ooh, that's not a good sign. Just take some of the, you know, the end of the branches and see if there's still some flexibility. My guess is it still has some flexibility to it, because it, it wouldn't does. necessarily get brittle that soon. But I would just leave it until next spring and see if it leaves out at that time. Okay. Uh, second question, uh, hollies. Uh, I've got about a dozen big hollies again planted three, four years ago. They were probably 8, 10 feet in t- uh, tall. And, the uh, yeah, they were huge. You know, the balls on them were, you know, up to uh, your past your knee. Um, anyway, the, you know, at the cold snap in December, they dropped all the leaves. They've come back. They look awful scraggly. You know, some leaves have come back, but look awful scraggly. Those dead or should I rip and replace? Well, I don't know if they're actually dead. If they, um, did they push out any new foliage? They did, but it's awful scraggly. Oh, so scraggly just meaning there's only a few. Yeah, I mean, it looks, they look terrible. So recovery time could be substantial because really broadleafs don't like our region just in general because of our screwball weather. So uh, if, they've, if they're kind of, let's say, wounded by the weather and everything else, recovery may be iffy at best. Okay. All right, and I think those are a rip and replace because they just they look terrible. Yeah, so that's I mean we're growing holly basically. Well, you may be doing it for screening, but you know broadleaf evergreens are generally grown for the aesthetic values that they right. have. So, consequently, yep. if you're not getting any aesthetics, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Um, would you recommend replacing with the same thing or probably not because I may get another cold snap and maybe doing this in the next couple of years? That's true. Uh, what type of, were they foster holly or were they American holly? Do you know which type? Boy, I don't know that off the top of my head. Okay. They came out of North Carolina. I do know that. Okay. So, you know, either one of them is going to have a difficult time. And I would say maybe take a look at, uh, using an arborvitae instead of a holly. Yep. Okay. I appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Lauren's. Hi, Lauren. Well, hello. Good morning. Good morning. 
I have a question, and I've done a really feel like a great job working on my grass this year. Uh, watered it, it turned green, everything looks good. Had it fertilized. I, I woke up, and, and it looks like my my zoysia is already turning yellow. Um, is there anything I can do to slow that down? Well, not necessarily slow it down. You know, zoysia really needs to be fertilized. Once it starts greening up, you fertilize it for the first time, and then you fertilize it monthly all the way up until late August. So maybe that's part of the problem. And also, the weather can, even though zoysia, in theory, is a warm-season grass, I have zoysia myself, and, you know, I'm seeing, even though I'm doing the fertilizing, I'm doing the watering, I'm going to have to water after the show today because some of the areas along the fence and along the sidewalk are showing some, you know, some blades that are not necessarily really good colorful. So my thinking is uh, water-wise and fertilizer-wise is what you're kind of missing. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm watering 30 minutes a day every day, so... I uh, was hoping I didn't wasn't overwatering it, but you never know. It's been so hot. Right. I would say water less often, but for longer periods. Okay. Because thirty you minutes, it, you know, you it could, you know, it'll hit the surface, it'll hit the blades and everything else, but it could evaporate before it actually penetrates down into the ground. And also, are right. you dethatching your zoysia? Yeah, I sure am. Okay, so you're doing pretty much everything that you should. But just water for longer periods of time, less often. And if you need to, awesome. just put a you know a cup or a measuring cup or something in the area that you're watering. Are you using a soaker hose or are you using a, a, a let's say a sprinkler? Uh, impact sprinkler. Impact sprinkler. Yeah. Okay. So just make sure that you get an inch of water on your zoysia at least every week. Great. Oh, uh, thank you for the call. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Annette. Hi, Annette. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I have uh, several patches of plant called uh, spiderwort, and it's finished its blooming season. Um, it blooms, you know, it opens its blooms just in the morning, and then as the light uh, changes, it closes up overnight and then it opens up again well my question is it's it's done with its blooming for this this season and it's getting rather straggly the the tall um, fronds are getting very straggly and i'm wondering um all the little buds that are on there that are holding the seeds should i could i gather them and then maybe in the fall drive them out and let in the fall plant them somewhere else in another area so I could have more of the spider because they are a very lovely plant. I like it myself. What I do is when they start elongating, I just cut them about halfway off and then I, you know, I plant those. Oh, okay. So I just, you know, I dig an area and then I just, I let them dry a little bit for like one day or so. And then okay. I stick them down into like a, a shallow hole and cover them up with some, uh, you know, some soil or potting okay. mix or, you know, combination. Okay. And then I start watering just like they were a regular plant. But, yeah, they're okay. great. I mean, their blue flowers are fantastic. And they sometimes they have, they have a couple that are other shades. Of, of the lavender. Oh, really? And a deep purple, yeah, and a deep purple. So 
Oh, I have several different shades, and I just love them. So I could I could do that now. Yes, I'm doing it right now because some of the areas are so thick and elongated, you know that uh, you know I just I've cut them back to about halfway. First of all, my wife doesn't like you know plants kind of cascading over sidewalks and stuff like that, but because they do you know extend their growth. Yes. Okay. So well, yeah, some of them are definitely done, but. I could I could still try that. Right. Yeah, I'll try that. I've never heard of it doing it that way. Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. I've kind of let it migrate, uh, you know, in various places, especially in the sidewalk area or the area of the garden space or the lawn or the landscape area but in between streets and sidewalks. I use that uh-huh. in there a lot, and they're pretty darn tough. Now, would would they the ones that I plant yet this summer? Would they come up again this summer, or would they do it next year? Well, I mean, you're not burying the whole thing, so you're still going to see the leaves. Just water them and make sure oh, that oh. they don't go through any kind of drought stress. But it's, okay, I mean, you're still going to uh, know where they are. Right. All right. Well, thank you. That's a very good suggestion. Now, another little. Uh, a little note that I had. I had several plants of the um, ginger, wild ginger, and I had, had had them in the back. And I thought, oh, I would love to have them in a front garden bed that my daughter was um, renovating. And so she, she transplanted some of them for me under a, uh, a tree. And I'll be darned if some some critter here robin or other bird or rabbit had squirrel even kept digging them up and <laughs> they're dead they're all gone from that. <laughs> they they just loved the roots i guess and the plants so much that they killed it off but luckily i have some of it still in the back area where it had been originally <laughs> and i just got tickled over House, uh, it, it, the new new area was not a good area for it. <laughs> and it could be because but, it was too close to a tree, and you know the root system of the tree could have an impact too. Yeah, well, that could be. Well, at any rate, I still am enjoying my spiderwood, and I sure appreciate your tips. All right, great. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yep. Three one four. Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Folks, we got some phone lines open, and we got a few minutes before we're going to go to the news. So three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Make sure that you continue to not cut your lawn too short because if you cut it too short, it could be problematic as far as sunburning. Even warm season grasses like zoysia, which can take the heat, I see so many people that have cut it, scalp it really close, and consequently it's really brown. It doesn't look good and it doesn't, re, you know, it doesn't recover. And when I take my walks... I walk certain areas, and if there's something that I see that's really nice, great, then I continue to walk past that on a routine and regular basis. 
And if I see something that's problematic, then I do the very same thing. So I keep my eye on it. So let's head over now to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Uh, last week, uh, you had a caller who uh, had a, a live trap, and he was I, I don't know if he, what he was trying to catch, but if he wanted to catch a skunk, the best way to do it is to uh, use some shrimp, just one piece of shrimp, you know, something nice and stinky. Oh, really? I, yeah. Yeah, I caught uh, a whole family of uh, skunks that were living under my front porch about uh, 20 years ago. Oh, you're Seven of them, actually. I, I caught the mama first, and then uh, I took her down to uh, Flam City, which is uh, on the Merrimack River here in uh, in uh, uh, South County Arnold area. And then uh, caught a couple of more babies uh, at the same time. And then before you know it, I caught the whole family, all seven of them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I took, I put them in a truck on my car. <laughs> you know, they smell they smell even when they don't shoot. Oh at yeah, you. right, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's just a little bit of information. A piece of shrimp will uh, will do the trick. All right. Well, thanks for the so, insight. Okay. Well, thank you. Yep. Now let's head over to Bill's. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I have two questions. Uh, one concerning brief history. Two weeks ago, I had Japanese beetle attack my banana plants. And I treated it with seven, and they went away. Yesterday, I had a swarm, what looked like large Japanese beetles. Do you have any idea why that would be? I mean, they were actually a swarm in my yard. Yeah, usually, I mean, they're usually not in a big group together. So, you know, the the Japanese beetle with the metallic look and everything? So you're just going to have to go after them, uh, you know, with the insecticides. Okay. Now, why would these this last group seem so much larger, almost twice the size? You, well, they're just more mature. Okay. Okay. So it's just like, you know, they, they're just aging. So the f- first ones that you saw were earlier in the season. So consequently, they're your s- smaller. The ones you're seeing now are probably pretty much mature size. Okay. How long are these... How long will they be around? Through July or all summer? Well, they could go all summer, and then you know, then they sort of like let's say disappear. They go into hibernation, basically. Okay. All right. My second question is: um, we have some hydrangeas, and what would be some signs of overwatering or underwatering? Underwatering, they would droop. Correct. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes, if you overwater, it can droop too. So, in other words. You see it drooping, you water too much, you damage the root system, and then consequently the plant can't absorb any more moisture, so then it droops again. So just be really careful about determining if you need water as opposed to not watering at all. Would, would the leaves turn colors? Uh, could, and uh, but basically the best thing to do is go out earlier in the morning, and this is with any plant, and see if the leaves are drooping, that could probably mean that the, you you should do some watering. If the leaves are not drooping early in the morning, then consequently you don't need to do any watering. Okay. All right. So, so just look at the plant, not just water every day of the day or every day. Right. Exactly. That's the best thing to do. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you yep. very much. Have a good show. Yeah. My pleasure. And we do have another hour of the KM West Garden Hotline. 
and 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline. It's the tip of the trowel, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now we've got phone lines open if you have any questions or concerns or comments or information, certainly, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And then we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions range from making a selection of a plant for a specific location and understanding that plants, depending upon the variety, can get pretty big. So watch out where you plant them, whether it's close to a house, whether it's close to a sidewalk, whether it's close to a driveway, or whatever it happens to be. Keep in mind that things will grow, and certain things are just dwarfs. And why not you know, consider that type of thing? How about the annuals? Fertilizing every couple of weeks is the best thing you can do for your annuals. How about your summer bulbs, your cannas, my cannas and elephant ears? Are, they were a little bit slow to take off, but now they're really getting uh, going, so they're looking pretty darn good. Your ground covers, your perennials, those house plants that you have out on your deck or your patio, how are they doing? How about your warm season lawn or your cool season lawn? Your roses, whether they're hybrid teas, grandifloras, floribunda, oh, or those big shrub roses. What kind are those shrub roses? Anyway, conifers, deciduous trees, 
and vines and water gardens and fountains and everything else. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to help you achieve your desired results, but strictly offered for you to consider. Another very important player is James. He answers the phone and produces the show, and that means he pushes all these buttons and everything else. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation called a walk and talk. Go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And I, I have to admit, this is kind of a, a, a couple maybe different kinds of tip of the trowels. Tip of the trowel goes out to all the sycamore trees. I mean, on like Monday or so, I said, there's, we live across the street from Christie Park, and Christie Park is lined with sycamore trees. And throughout the entire metropolitan area, well, I shouldn't say metropolitan area, but pretty good uh, substantial size, every place sycamores, they were exfoliating, in other words, dropping their bark. So, I mean, I could not believe it was like a concert or something, you know, with a maestro saying, do it now, because usually you don't see them all in various locations and exposures dropping their bark at the same time. So a, t- a tip of the trowel goes out to the sycamore trees, and a tip of the trowel goes out to this is a screwy one. Tracy and I were headed out to St. Charles yesterday, and so consequently I think we were on uh, 270 at that particular time, and a car passed us. And this car, actually, relatively small car, we were going speed limit. This car was obviously going faster because he passed us. But he had a, or this car, maybe it wasn't a he, maybe it was a she. The driver had a small window air conditioner attached to the back window of the car on the passenger side. This was a regular air conditioner, a square box air conditioner. I've never seen a car with an air conditioner attached to it. It just seemed like totally screwy. So a tip of the trial goes out to that person that has done something that, you know, at 74 years old, I've never seen anything like that before with an air conditioner, you know, sticking out of a car window. (laughs) It was like, are you kidding me? We were just shocked and uh, couldn't keep up with it because the car was going so fast. But we were curious, like, is that air conditioner real? Is Are they actually using it? How do they attach it to the motor, you know, or the electric system of the car or anything else? So anyway, tip of the trial goes out to that person that had a small window air conditioner in the car, in their car. So if you do have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's see, where should we go first? Let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. You can tell that the world's kind of weird because the mountains in New Mexico around Albuquerque, because we were there for my son's way, has a green grass, and everybody was commenting on how green the mountains look. They don't look real green to me, but they still look greener. Wow. And... Uh, Wish I could start a cactus farm, man. And I guess they were just blooming out there, starting to really bloom everywhere. So, mm. but anyway, my question 
is the famous walnut tree. It's turned brown. Can I just go ahead and gamble and replant it? As far as you mean some of the foliage is turning brown? Yeah, I've uh, I have uh, I've done what you said, put it in a bigger put it in the ground, but do I do you think I need a bigger pot? So you drop the pot down into the ground? Yeah. Okay. And so you're just trying to grow it in a in a container, right? Yeah, you said until August the fifteenth and then I could plant it. Right. So I would say you're probably okay. I mean, just don't overwater it. That's would be okay. you know my concern, especially if the pot's dropped into a hole in the ground. I wouldn't do any you know any more more you know any more watering than what normally you know you would okay. do. I also wonder now that south of Centralia, where we live, we didn't get hardly any rain. So, so it's got. I guess be- we're. In one way. <laughs> right. Really dry. <laughs> yeah, we're still dry here. Right. So. I appreciate All I right. Appreciate Thanks, I appreciate Bill. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Still got a few phone lines open. Back after these messages. KMOX, the 2023 Large Market Radio Station of the Year. Recognized by the Missouri Broadcasters Association. KMOX, we were built for this. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Brent's yard. Hi, Brent. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, quick question about uh, honeysuckle, the invasive uh, plant that is invading my backyard in Webster Groves. Uh question is uh how to get rid of it quickly i i mean i i think during covid i i was able to cut a lot of it down and uh it came right back um you know what's the best way to get rid of it and can i you know put some sod down or whatever after um i i rip it all up or how does that work well basically the best thing you can do so you can kill the entire thing is cut the stems and as soon as you cut the stems paint some roundup on the open wound where you cut, make the cut at a 45-degree angle, but make sure you use Roundup or get some kind of killer for woody plant material. And make sure it's systemic, so in other words, it doesn't only kill the above-ground growth, it kills the below-ground growth. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you so much. And then it's going to take, I would say, you know, to clear it out and everything else after it's, it's dead, I wouldn't rush to do any kind of lawn or anything, sod, seed, or anything at all for maybe a full year. So just be real careful. And then during that process, you know, it's going to be kind of muddy and things like that. But I lived in Webster and along a creek, and I got rid of uh, the honeysuckle shrubs that were along that creek. And then consequently, uh, I just I didn't use lawn in that space. I used uh, an evergreen ground cover. Thank you, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yes. I don't know if this is in anywhere underneath your expertise, but I was in my garage and I came across mothballs. And it seemed like I remembered using mothballs before to uh, keep plants or animals away from plants. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Yeah, I, yeah, I have. So if there are... It just depends upon how you know how strong the smell is. So it repels the animal, you know, wildlife or animals or whatever. 
as a result of the smell. So if they're old, they may not have the scent or the fragrance that would drive any kind of animal away. I've got an elevated deck, which only about a foot and a half underneath, and I have animals go in around all these plants, and then they sometimes den up underneath my deck, and I'm oh. trying to stop that. Right. Yeah, give it a try, and if that doesn't work, then go to your favorite garden center and get a, you know, a wildlife repellent. Yeah, I use bonide. Oh, yeah. have you? Okay, thank you. Yep, and with anything like that, you know, over a period of time, I never like to use the same product over and over and over again. I like to rotate different products because that kind of keeps the animals uh, a little bit, uh, let's see, weird as far, or feeling weird because it's not the same smell over and over and over again. So now let's go over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, we've had a rose bush in for about 40 years, but the last three years, it's turned kind of gnarly-like is the best way I can suggest. Um, and the, some of the leaves are red, like a ruddy red, and has soft stems and large thorns. And then some parts of the rose bush, the leaves are dark green and some are light green. It's almost as though we had several different types of roses here, <laughs> or roses. and they they don't even put out any roses anymore. So I think is it is it a virus? Do you think or something? Well, different? it sounds like it's rose rosette. Oh. Rose rosette is a disease that's spread, and once it gets in the vascular system of the rose, it's not going to kill it all instantly. But it oh. it makes those stems with the purplish leaves and the the really thorny stems happen, yeah. and that means it's got to be removed. Oh, okay. Well, um, then I shouldn't put another rose bush there. Is that right? No, you can put one there just so you oh, cl- you know you clear all the debris away. Then you should be fine. Oh, good. Good. Well, thank you so very much. I appreciate you, our show. <laughs> sure. Thank you. And now let's see what's going on with George. Hi, George. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Sure. Uh, we've got a oak tree that's, I don't know, say 40 feet tall, apparently very healthy. <clears throat> but the sap keeps uh, coming out of the and on top of the leaves. Uh, I, I wondered if that is anything that can be treated or, or if there's anything we can do about that. Well, a tree of that, Maybe, you know, that large and of that scale... That usually means there's, you know, like uh, probably maybe aphids feeding on the oak leaves, but usually they don't feed on because oak leaves kind of have that glossy, waxy feel. So, you know, right. you're you're getting something on it that's actually piercing into it, and uh, you may have squirrels that are cutting, you know, little, let's say, sections of uh, the twigs off, three or four leaves, at a 45-degree angle, they always make the cut. And then where they have chewed off some of the stems, it may be dropping, you know, some sap down on the other foliage. Okay. Well, we've got, we've got a lot of squirrels, so that could possibly be right. And the so, problem. You know, the stickiness, I wouldn't, you know, something that large without knowing exactly what the circumstance is. It doesn't sound like it's going to be an insect circumstance. And uh, I would just say kind of live with it. Shoot the squirrels. (laughs) 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. And then you can make yourself some kind of hat out of the squirrel skins. And let's go now to Brian Jard. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a I've got a dwarf Japanese maple that was planted last year, and it did fine last year. And this and this spring, it leafed out nicely, but in the last couple of weeks, it's dropped the majority of its leaves. Ooh. To me, that sounds like the root system never really got established. So consequently, the ability of its, you know, to be able to set the buds, to be able to push out the leaves in the early spring, that was fine. It had, you know, everything was, let's say, as good as possible because it didn't need to have a root system established to actually, and root system didn't get established. So consequently, it wasn't able to support the new growth. So are you telling me it's dead? Well, it's it's kind of headed downhill. I don't know. I'm not saying it's dead, but just make sure that uh, if you planted it or somebody planted it, that it doesn't have any kind of like, let's say, low spot where the trunk is coming up out of the ground where, you know, extra moisture may hang out there, especially if you're doing any kind of irrigating. But it doesn't, you know, it sounds like the root system's not established. Hmm. And it's good. Generally, so it takes a the rest of the summer. Yeah, it's, generally it's going to take a couple of years for the root system to get well established. But with our, you know the heat that we've had and everything else, I think it just you know kind of was impacted by our weather slash environment. Very good, appreciate it. Yep. So just go ahead, leave it, and uh, if you want, and then see how it does when we come out of a let's say winter, early spring of next year. And now Great. let's go. Thank to, you. Yep. Good luck with that. And let's see. Let's go to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. A uh, couple questions about two different items. First, um, I noticed after or in this spring, uh, I have boxwood uh, bushes. And there would be like, it's almost like uh, if you laid a piece of duct tape on the bush, the, it, there's like a brown stripe uh, in different areas on them, and thought that was. And they're basically the leaves are dead. You know, it, it's, it's like a stripe or a a circle. And I noticed in our neighborhood, we have a large neighborhood. Just everybody who has those type of bushes, boxwoods, the same issue. I don't know if it's. And like I said, it's not from the drought because this was noticed uh in the spring is that just maybe from the cold a cold snap or or um and it doesn't matter if the bushes like the ones i have are about 30 years old but there it's the same on younger plants also right it was weather related because i had the same thing on my boxwood i just finished cutting out all the dead stems and twigs and everything else this past week because I was, oh. I, I was just kind of watching it just in general, and uh, yeah, so that's exactly what it was. Okay, and I, I just did the same thing a, a couple days ago. I just cut all the dead stuff off, right. and uh, ho- hopefully it'll fill back in. Okay, and last question is, I have a lot of uh, 
Vinca ground cover, mm-hmm. and every every spring it comes up, looks great, but then um, you know within like maybe a month, it it like strands of it will turn totally brown, and when you go over to just remove it, it just it's not even like it's attached to the ground; it just pulls right out. Is that something under the ground eating, chewing the root off or something, or or is that just the way that stuff is? Well, it's not necessarily the way it is. Is it growing underneath trees? Yes. Yeah, so probably what it is is that particular section that you're finding, it's, let's say, dying, is just it's growing on hardwood. In other words, hardwood as a result of the root system that's right below it, and so it's just kind of oh. got starved. And that's what causes it to decline. Okay, gotcha. All righty. Well, that's all I needed. I appreciate the information. Yep. And even, I mean, there's not too much you can do about it because vinca is pretty tough stuff. But uh, that just means there's just nothing, no, let's say, soil there for it to grow on. So if you want to in the future, when you find one of those dead, let's say, stems of the vinca, just dig down low, slightly below where it was and see if there's not a root right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll check that out. That, that does make sense. Right. Good luck with that. Yeah. And, yeah, that's too bad because Vink is one of my favorite ground covers. And uh, Yeah, same, same here. Yeah, the blue, I mean, the blue flower in the springtime and the... I like it much better than the ivies. I like the shape of the leaf and everything else, but uh, those things happen. There's no getting around it. Yep. Yep. All right, Mike, thank you. Sure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Paul Goldschmidt. Hi, I'm Miles Michaelis. I'm Adam Wainwright, and you're listening to the voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. Get ready for the Cards and Yankees this afternoon. Cameron Total Access 1220. First pitch, 115. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. A couple of facts about tomatoes. Tomatoes can have, let's say, bad fruit, let's say, pollination slash growth as a result of high daytime temperatures, like when they're above 90. But more important for a tomato as far as being able to, let's say, have the flowers, get the flowers pollinated and everything else, if the nighttime temperatures are above 70 degrees, that's more detrimental to the tomatoes than actually the daytime temperatures. So just kind of keep that in mind. And if you do have tomatoes, you're not getting any kind of production fruit-wise higher up on the plant. That could be could be because that the, the you're getting fruit production lower on the plant, but that's having a detrimental impact on the upper part of the tomato plant. So just kind of keep those things in mind. 
And now let's go over to Jeannie's. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Um, I know you said this before, um, but this is not a good time to prune a lilac bush, correct? Well, I mean, you can go ahead and do it, but uh, it's you really should do it right after it finishes flowering. Okay, but if I do it now, I'm not going to have any blooms next year, correct? Well, they're probably not set the flower buds yet, but uh, you just uh, if you cut it much later than this, you're definitely not going to get any. Okay. And when is a good time to uh, prune a Japanese maple? Uh, the maples prefer to be pruned during the summertime as opposed to the wintertime. Okay, so I could do that any time? Yes, during the okay. warmer weather. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Yep, because there's less sap flow during the warmer weather. Even though the Japanese maple is not one that's going to produce any kind of sap or anything to make make maple syrup or anything along that line, it's still the flow of that family group in general is less in the summer than in the winter, and that's why you want to do the pruning during the warmer weather. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's go to Holly's. Hi, Holly. Hi, Mike. Um, I've got what I think is a significant problem. I've got eight holly bushes outside my fence, and they made it great uh, through the last winter. And um, my gardener was supposed to help me cut them in the spring, and he got sick, and now he can't come till the last of July. And I've got to attack these things because they are getting out of control. And I know I've asked you this question once before, and you said I should cut them in the spring. Can I cut them now uh, six to eight inches without doing too much damage? Well, what could happen as a result of the the stems, the end of the stems that you're cutting off have been shadowing and shading the leaves that are now going to be exposed because you've cut certain sections off. And then depending upon the intensity of the sunlight and everything else, the newly exposed foliage could get sunburned. That would be the detrimental aspect of it. So you're saying I could have a bunch of problems with eight holly bushes outside my patio if I cut them now. Right. Just you may not, but the, the you could end up with a. It won't necessarily kill them, but it could make it so the aesthetics are going to be you know what you really don't want to have is like brownish leaves. Okay. So again, what you're saying is I should let them get more out of control and, and really try to cut them in the spring right. next year. Right. Well, that's bad news, but uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Well, Enjoy what you your could, show. Yeah. <laughs> what you could do is just maybe try cutting off, let's say, 25% and see what you, you, know, see what you think as a result of if you're going to get any kind of sunburn on the remaining foliage or not. And if not, then you can go ahead and give, you know, give them another shot as far as pruning. So, in other words, cut off some of the problems, the worst areas that you're as a feeling from the overgrowth. Okay. okay, and then just see what I get right. and then go from there. Right. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's an experiment out there because we never know what our weather's going to be like or anything else. Let's see what's going on with George. Hi, George. Hello, George. George, are you there? Mm. Guess not. Then now let's go. Let's how? Let's go to Matt's. Hi, Matt. 
Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, well, I just uh, I pruned my holly bush in the in the fall, and I don't have any problems with it because it grows wild like the ladies just before. Right. But I called because I have uh, five tomato plants that are doing great, and one of them is aroma tomato. And the tomatoes, most of the tomatoes have a bad spot on the bottom of them. And I don't know what that is and what I should do about it. Well, basically, that means that your tomatoes don't have the right amount of calcium. So are you using tomato food? I am. So it does it have calcium in it? Well, okay, I'll have to check it, but it is tomato food. Okay, so it should... But usually, you know, if you if you get that blossom end rot, like what you're explaining, is usually it means there's not enough calcium, and that's kind of what the cause of it is. And the Roma okay. tomato is, I mean, it's a little bit of a specialty type tomato, and so I mean that could be part of the factor as well. Okay, because the other four plants are just fine. Right. Okay. Yeah, because my brother gave me gave me the plant, so I I don't know. I never grown them before, so. Yeah, they're a little bit, uh, they don't like it here all that much. Okay. All right, well, I just wish you a happy uh, 4th of July. Well, same. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. And now let's go over to Richard Jard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Mike. Um, simple question. How, how, um, how often and how deeply should I, should I um, water Arbovitae? You know, I have two arbovitae in the front of my house, um, newly planted this spring. One is a tree and one is a bush. But how often should I water them? As far as just watch the rainfall, because I don't know what part of, you know, the metropolitan area. Some of the areas had huge amounts of rain last night. Other areas didn't have any. But what you want to do, especially on newly installed plant material, regardless of what type it is, is make sure they get about an inch of water per week. So I would run a hose just to the base of it and just run it at a trickle and do that probably every maybe two weeks or so and run it, let's say, for an hour just to get the root ball nice and you know keep it moist and then don't water it again for another you know week or two. Uh, so I'm obviously overwatering it. Yeah. But th- this is clay soil, clay soil, so it looks very dry. Yeah, but, I mean, clay soil is kind of what routinely is throughout the entire region, and that has some kind of an impact on the plant material. But uh, hopefully that it was planted correctly with the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. So just kind of keep your fingers crossed. But water it once a week. Yeah, I would say not once a week. I would say, you know, again, depending upon the rain, if you've had rain, then don't water it, you know, during that possible week if you've had about an inch of rain or so in your area. Oh, boy. Okay. Thanks Thanks very much. I'm yeah. overwatering them. That, cause, I mean, that could be detrimental for sure. And if you've got heavy clay soil where it's been planted – then that kind of like keeps the moisture there. It doesn't let it, let's say, drain out into the clay, and then it could just get wetter and wetter and wetter, and that could really cause, you know, start doing some damage to the existing root system. Okay. 
Just keep Thanks a lot. Yep. And now let's go to Michelle's yard. Hi, Michelle. Yes. Good morning. Um, first time caller. I'm, I have a tomato plant question in that um, I have two container tomato plants that were going gung ho with uh, tomatoes, and all of a sudden the leaves are turning brown and it looks like they're dying and doesn't look like there's much growth. So I'm wondering if I'm overwatering them or they shouldn't have, maybe they shouldn't have been bought, uh, put in a container. They're called little, little, excuse me, little Sicily tomatoes, and it says compact slicing tomato. Maybe I misunderstood and put them in containers thinking they sh- that would be okay. Well, it should be okay, depending upon what size container you have. What's the diameter of the pot? Well, it's one of those orange um, Home Depot buckets. Oh. So it's, you know, relatively big, right. I think. Do you have drainage holes in the bottom? Yes, okay. I do. And just make and I sh- water them every day. Oh, that's too much. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> they like moisture, but they don't want to be drowned, and that sounds like what's happened. Okay, even and, with the drainage holes, I'm overwatering yeah, them. Yeah, because did you use potting mix or potting soil? Potting mix. So like you, you did said. that was fine. So just when you water, are they sitting on, let's say, uh, some concrete or something, so you can see if the water is passing down through the potting mix and then coming out through the drainage holes? I have them on plastic trays that are on my deck. Okay. So I can see the water coming out under the deck. You know what I'm saying? So it is it is going through, but um, maybe if it's, I'm still overwatering them. <laughs> yeah, so if, if the water is running through and then getting you know trapped in this tray that you have them sitting on, then it doesn't really go anyplace, so consequently, you may be overwatering. Okay, so are they still salvageable, you think? I've, I've never had this much production before. It's just that they're not, everything seems to have stopped, yeah. the height and the amount and the redness of the tomato. Well, sometimes, I don't know this particular variety of tomato, but some tomatoes basically only do one production per year, and then that's mm-hmm. it. And then so consequently, some of them will, you know, produce tomatoes and then they'll set more flowers and then more tomatoes, more tomatoes, more tomatoes. So in other words, season long where other ones only do it once and that's it. So I don't know this particular variety, you know, check and see if that's one of those varieties that only produces tomatoes once and then the plants kaput. Okay. Okay. Well, either they're going to, they're going to be dead or I should just water them, what, every other day? Or the rule of thumb with what you said, the one inch a week? Or... Right. Yeah, just you want, you just kind of watch the inside of the, you know, the, the bucket it's in. And when yes. you start to see it shrink from the, ins, you know, the inside away from the, uh, the edge of the bucket, then definitely water it at that time. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm being... Uh, watering too much. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. I pretty, uh, appreciate your help. Well, sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, you got a couple phone lines open. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's see what's going on with Joan. Hi, Joan. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a um, <clears throat> hibiscus plant 
And uh, it's, this is the, it's two years old. And the last two years, it bloomed just crazy. And uh, this year, it's gotten huge and growing. But uh, I got no blooms at all. Now, is this a hardy hibiscus or is this a tropical yeah. houseplant type? No, it's a outside hardy hibiscus. My guess is as long as the foliage looks good, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But, I mean, the Disco Bell, which is probably the variety it is, they are spectacular. They are great. The flowers are huge. And why yeah. you're not getting them this year, it probably has related to the weather. But if the leaves look good, then there's nothing you could, should be doing. Oh, yeah, it's tripled its size. Uh, now, I did put uh, Bloom Buster on it. Was, you think that was okay? It should have been. I mean, yeah, I just put it on a couple of days ago. Okay. So it's, well, it's going to take it a while to actually be uptaken through the root system and actually be productive. So mm-hmm. normally they don't bloom until midsummer. So it's a little bit early anyway. Oh, I thought they started blooming in the end of June. Well, uh, no. So, I, I mean, in the June, every year is going to be slightly different just because of our screwball weather. But uh, I wouldn't, I, if they look healthy, I wouldn't worry too much about them. You know, I Googled uh, Miracle Bloom Buster, and one thing said, don't use it. And another thing said, use it. There's always a downside of everything. <laughs> as well as the upside. Okay. Well, honey, thank you. I'll see if we start blooming here shortly. All right. And <laughs> okay, now let's you. head over to Eric's. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Uh, Hi. Yeah, I've got a question. We, in the storm and over in Illinois, I had a crab apple tree that's about 15 years old. And uh, when I looked at it last night, part of the branch, well, it's, it's not split completely separated, but it's got a split. And you can see where the split goes down. It goes just about right to the ground. Um, but none of the pieces are mobile or anything. So I took a big pole that I had, and I sort of propped up one of them. And uh, what do you think I should do? I would say just be cautious of that because if you've got an open wound like that, moisture is going to run down the trunk and get down into there and could cause some problems. So I would be a little bit, sus- you know, I would think yeah. – <clears throat> You know, maybe taking it off is going to be to the advantage of the tree. Taking the the the, the broken branch, off. but I wouldn't necessarily well, do it now because of the heat of the summertime and humidity and everything else. So leave it as it is, but uh, see what you think. See, uh, you know, it's not going to necessarily glue itself back together again. So in the right. fall, take a look, and maybe at that time you might have to remove it. You almost think that the whole tree might have to take, be taken out then? Well, not necessarily the whole tree. I just, it sounds like this, I thought this was just one of the major branches. Oh, no, this is split down to the, down to the ground level. Oh, so the whole, the trunk is split. The trunk is split. That's correct. But Ooh. it's not split enough that the tree is, that any of those major parts are, have any real great mobility, but it's split enough that you can see that it's hanging down further than what it had been before. Like it, right. Uh, the roots are the, the branches, if they were five feet high before, they're, they're like four feet high now. Yeah, that's not a good sign for sure. <laughs> okay. But you think just give it some time, and it, but figure that it's going to have to get lost. Right. 
Okay. No, nothing preventive really to do as far as applying any fab or sealer with it. Split no, in. none of that stuff works. Days of old, it used to work some, but it had lead in it. And, I mean, all that pro- lead was taken out of all those kind of products. And no way to, like, try to wrap some of the around it to sort of bring it together as close as you can? Well, you can. I mean, do, but uh, I don't know if it's going to do that much good. You could try it. Okay. Okay. That's what my wife told me, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks again for the answer. Sure. Bye-bye. And Art, Becky, uh, Steve, and Greg, sorry, it looks like we're out of time. I shouldn't have given those numbers out. But, uh, wow, who knows what this weather's going to bring us. Uh, hopefully you're going to get some rain because certain areas are still pretty dry and certain areas got pretty wet, apparently, with the rain last night. Now it was sunny not too long ago, and now it is all really cloudy. So, KMOX Garden Hotline, Mike Miller, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.